Hello there. We pray that things are going well for you on this Thursday as we make preparation to finish up First Peter. And I'm delighted and uh, excited that you have been able to join us as far as Bible study is concerned. And we hope and pray that as we uh, finish up this particular uh, book of the Bible, that it has been a blessing to you uh, during these weeks of study. And so before we get started, I want to bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense and seek what it is that God wants us to pull and to glean from this particular moment, uh, knowing that uh, um, God will use his word to make us uh, better disciples as far as our walk is concerned. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get started uh, on today. God, we don't take for granted the wonderful opportunities to come and to study your word, to learn more of you, to glean more from you, and to become more like you. We pray right now, God, that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, you would be in the midst of uh, this teaching, that you, the Master Rabbi, would show up, teach us your precepts, let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Show yourself mighty and strong. It's in Jesus' name we do pray, <coughs> and we claim it done. Amen. Amen. Well, as we finish up First First Peter, rather, chapter five, verse five through uh, verse thirteen, I'm going to fourteen, rather. I'm going to ask that if you would uh, turn to that particular passage, we want to kind of mark it up and uh, dissect uh, what it is that the Lord will have for us to know and to glean. So, First Peter, chapter five, starting at verse five. And we will find these words printed. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the grace, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, our faithful brother, I consider him, I have written to you briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So as we go through this particular passage of Scripture, let's highlight the text. Um, if you would, uh, in verse 5, 
Likewise, you younger people, underline the word likewise. Submit yourselves to your elders. If you would, circle the word submit. Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive. If you would, circle the word submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. If you would, underline the word humility. But no, draw a circle around the word humility. And then where it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, highlight that whole phrase and then draw a circle around the word humble. Draw a line from the word humble to humility. Therefore, humble yourselves, if you will, circle the word humble. And then draw a line from the word humble in verse 6 to humble in verse 5. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, if you would, highlight the phrase mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time, if you would, underline, highlight the phrase in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. If you would, highlight that whole verse, circle the word care, and circle the word cares, and then draw a line from cares to care. Number 8, be sober, highlight that phrase. Be vigilant, highlight that phrase. Your adversary, the devil, if you would, underline that phrase, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. Underline that phrase, resist him. Steadfast in the faith, highlight that phrase, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 10, but may the, grace, but may the God of all grace, uh, highlight that phrase, the God of all grace, who calls us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, underline that phrase, suffered a while. Uh, and then I want you to circle the word perfect, circle establish, circle strengthen, and circle settle. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 12, by Savanus, underline the words Savanus, our faithful brother, I consider him as I have written to you briefly, exhorting, testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Verse 13, she who is in Babylon, circle the word Babylon, elect together with you, greet you, and so does Mark, circle the word Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss. Uh, peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Got a lot of stuff that we want to cover as far as this conversation is concerned. So when we look at verse 5, uh, and we're talking about really what it is that God desires for us to do, one of the things that stick out for me uh, is what does it look like to submit to our God uh, and unpack this in a very meaningful way. And it's interesting to note that Peter deals with this topic of submission a lot as far as his writings are concerned. He talked about how the wife ought to submit to the husband. He talked about how the servants ought to submit to their master. He now talks about how younger people ought to submit to their elders. And then he says we all ought to be submissive to one another. So when, when we look at this, um, you got to understand what is the cultural and the historical context. Because back during that time, the church leaders were usually older people. And the younger members were to place themselves willingly 
under the authority of those who have been given responsibility of leadership. So, basically this meant to accept the authority of the elders meant to submit to their decision and treat them, watch this, respectfully unless they lead you into sin. All right? Now, this is what I want you to understand. Now, if somebody's asking you to do something that you know is wrong, you don't have to submit to that. Please get that in your head. If they're asking you to do something that's wrong, you don't have to submit to that. Now, there is some debate about um, whether Peter was referring to those who were church officers or if he was just talking about older people in general and younger people in particular. I think that really what Peter is dealing with here is that Peter is dealing with those who are in leadership as far as the church is concerned and is continuing to maintain and push how there ought to be respect for the authority because for those that are in leadership, they are called to be responsible for those that they are called to serve. So Peter is really trying to get us to understand that we're called to be in a particular relationship for the purpose of glorifying God even in the midst of an environment where a lot of persecution winds up taking place. All right? So notice, he says, younger people, submit to your elders. And then he says, all of you submit yourselves or be submissive to one another. Okay? And he talked about how we ought to be clothed in humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So now we see Peter making a shift from the uh, hierarchical situation of elder and younger. He is now putting both elder and younger on the same plate. And he's saying you all ought to be submissive to each other. Um, you all ought to respect each other. Um, you all ought to um, understand that each other brings something to the table in which there ought to be some sense of respect. So he said all of us, whether you're young or old, church leader or not, watch this, has a relationship and responsibility to the congregation. So he's telling them, both young and old, be humble in your dealings with each other. In other words, humility basically means to put other needs and desires before your own. Now, let's be honest. It really takes the Holy Spirit to do that because... Um, uh, when it comes to, to, to this, this thing called humility, we are living in a time where we want to say, I got rights. Now, here is part of the flaw as far as this country is concerned because we're so concerned about our rights and about our individuality that we will at times negate the whole body because we want what we want when we want it and how we want it. All right? So, notice what what, what um, Peter is saying, because all of this is going to be flowing into how you can resist the devil. <laughs> um, 
Peter remembered, as he's talking about, watch this, being submissive to one another, Peter gets this image in his head of that Thursday night when Jesus humbled himself and washed the dirty, stinky feet of the disciples before they had the Passover meal. That Jesus, their rabbi, Jesus, their teacher, Jesus, their master, humbled himself, stooped down, and watched me. And Peter, Peter was so caught off guard, he was like, oh, no, Lord, you're not washing my feet. No, uh-uh, no, you can't do that. And Jesus said, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you're not going to have a part of me. And then that same Peter said, well, listen, wash my whole body. Just wash all of me. Peter was so caught up in an erroneous understanding of what the kingdom looked like that when the kingdom was to come into fruition through the pathway of the cross and by having Jesus to be arrested, Peter basically gave up his right to be part of the kingdom. When he denied Jesus, just like when Judas betrayed Jesus, he forfeited his right to have access to anything that Jesus was getting ready to bring into fruition. All right. So when Peter really talks about humility, he knows what it's like not to be humble. He also knows what it's like to go through the process of being humble. Then he knows what it's like to experience humility. Because Peter, as far as going through the process of being humble, denies Jesus three times because Jesus ain't flowing the way he wants Jesus to flow. He goes back to his old life of fishing. Jesus shows up post-resurrection, reclaims Peter, redeems Peter, and then empowers Peter by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, where Peter preached a powerful sermon and 3,000 folks joined church. So Peter still had this growing edge that the Lord had to develop, but he knows what humility looks like. Because he had seen his Lord and Savior humble himself to serve the disciples, watch this, who weren't worthy of his service. They were not worthy of him stooping down to wash their feet. This is the same Jesus who created them and their feet, now washing their feet. This is the same Jesus who created the fibers that made the towel, using the towel to wipe their feet. This is the same Jesus who spat out the water upon the seven seas, now using water to wash their feet. So Jesus humbles himself to the created and to creation to show them 
what real humility looks like. Don't ever become so big and so proud that you can't stoop to be a blessing to someone who lacks the capacity to reciprocate. Then notice what Peter did. Peter says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He is quoting Proverbs 3, 34. The believer, you and I, as sisters and brothers, must deal with one another in humility because God opposes or resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We see this even in the writings of James, chapter 4, verse 6, where it says, but he gives grace, therefore says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Not only does pride, and I'm talking about negative pride now, keep people from listening or following God, but it can keep older people from trying to understand younger people. And it can keep younger people from listening to older people. So humility basically means that we receive God's grace that gives us the ability to live faithfully on earth in relationship with one another. Now, you got, to, you got to understand that when we look at this particular verse, that the verbs, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, God resists the proud, that is in present tense. Gives grace to the humble, that is in present tense. Which means that God continues to oppose those who are proud. And God continues to give grace to the humble so that we can love, serve, and uh, be a blessing to those, especially in the face of threat and persecution. Now, let me talk about why a lot of us have issues in 2021 with this idea of authority and submission. A lot of us have issues with humbling ourselves because that really seems like it's so antiquated. It's so outdated. And God knows it is definitely out of sync with the culture. Now, the problem with the idea of submission is that it had became it became a convenient cover for slavery, for spousal abuse of a man over a woman, uh, for political injustice, police brutality, white supremacy, and I can go on and on and on. Biblical submission assumes that authority is given by God to leaders in a church. And those leaders, under the guidance of God, nurture the church by setting up the priorities, maintaining order, evaluating curriculum, judging moral dilemmas, resolving conflicts, and interpreting the Word of God for today. That's a big responsibility. And that requires teamwork. Real leaders, real leaders humble themselves to God and to each other 
so that there could be support, collaboration, and cooperation. Now, that's hard. That's hard. Because this is where, we, this is where the train goes off the track. Accepting authority in today's culture ain't in vogue. Because this is what has happened with a lot of us. A lot of us have made idols out of autonomy and independence. I got my rights. We have placed the bill of rights over our relationship with God. And God says, when it comes to my community, there ought to be mutuality and respect. And when it comes to my community, if you all are acting the way that I want you to act and you're being governed by my spirit, you will get to the place where you would try to outserve each other in service to each other. Oh, I think I just said something. That, that, that you would try to outserve each other in service to each other. When, 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 when the church is really the way that God would have for it to be, we would get in the act of trying to outbless each other. Here's where I want to really push this envelope. If you've got issues with authority, you might need to see who controls your life. Because if you have issues with authority, then you're going to have issues with God. All right. Let me go ahead and press, press my way through this. So we see that Peter goes on to say, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, that word therefore is connected to verse 5. Let me say it again. The word therefore is connected to verse 5. Where the older, the younger are told to submit to the older, where we're told to submit to one another, where we're told that God resists the power but gives grace to the humble. And then he says in verse 6, therefore humble yourself. That word therefore becomes a, what we call a transitive conjunction that brings together two different things. So humble yourself. Peter is admonishing the believers to humble themselves, watch this, under God. Because humility doesn't come naturally. When believers humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, you are basically putting yourself under the care and protection of God. You can't get the care and protection of God if you ain't going to humble yourself under God. God can't take care of you and protect you if you ain't humbling yourself to his authority. Because when we talk about the mighty hand of God, the mighty hand of God is the delivering hand of God. When, when you read the Old Testament, 
the Old Testament described God's power by talking about being under the mighty hand of God. It was the mighty hand of God that brought the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the mighty hand of God that allowed for Israel to overcome the Philistines. It was the mighty hand of God that brought down the walls of Jericho. It was the mighty hands of God that took care of Israel when she was going against her foes. So you can't experience the mighty hand of God doing something for you if you're not humbling yourself to God. Now watch this, because when you humble yourself to God, you've got to accept the fact that struggle is a part of God's providence. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, uh, let, me, let, me, let, let me just say that oftentimes this verse is often misquoted. Because oftentimes you hear folks says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. But that ain't what it says. It says, casting all your care, all your care, all your anxiety. All your worry, all your concern. What makes this so powerful is the word all being connected to the singular word care. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this. I can't cast my care upon God unless I submit myself to God's authority. I can't expect for God to care for me or take care or, or provide cares for me or to cast my care upon God if I'm not humbling myself to the mighty hand of God that God might exalt me in due time. That word due time is basically God's perfect timing. It is like the saints of old you say, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Always on time is God's due time. It ain't on your schedule. It's on God's schedule. But watch this. You can't expect for God to do anything in due time if you're not humbling yourself to the mighty hand of God to experience the care of God in your life. You want God to care for you, but you're going to give God the middle finger. You want God to care for you, but you want to live your life any kind of way. You want God to care for you, but you're going to be disobedient. And then you wonder why certain things don't go a certain way because, well, hey, you're not humbling yourself to the mighty hand of God because part of humbling yourself to the mighty hand of God means you're going to be obedient to what God asks you to do. Here is where I really want to drop this bomb right now because the problem for a lot of us is that we're so concerned about our position and status and getting proper recognition. And Peter wants us to understand 
that being recognized by God counts more than being praised by humanity. And that in God's own way, in God's own time, God will bless. So here's what I'm trying to drill home to you right now. Humbly obeying God regardless of your circumstances and in God's own time, God will. Here's my shout, exalt you. If anybody knows this, it's Jesus. You remember what Paul said about Jesus? Who being in the form of God did not consider himself to be robbery, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Coming in the form of a servant and in the likeness of a man, found himself as appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him. And has given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. In heaven, on earth, under the earth. In other words, all of creation. And every time we'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, that Jesus Christ is in charge. To the glory of God the Father. I hadn't even dealt with verse 7 yet. I've been playing around that. Cast all your cares upon him. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. I want you to understand that humbling yourself is not negative. Don't abandon the will of God. Don't be reactive. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you, this is not negative and reactive. This is positive and active. What Peter wants you and me to understand, that when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt us, part of the exaltation is us casting our care upon God. And here you are as a believer. You continue to worry about um, anxiety and stress. How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to make it? Um, uh, 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 how things are going as far as your life is concerned. Peter wants us to know that those of us who continue to carry our worries, our anxieties, our concern, our stress, our struggle by our shelves, we show that we don't trust God fully. And when we try to deal with our worries and we allow for them to control us, we show that we have not humbled ourselves unto God. So when Peter says, casting your care, he, he's, he's really saying, throw your anxieties to God. Throw it like throwing a ball. Throw it over to God and trust that God cares. Here's what I want you to understand. God is not indifferent to your suffering. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're putting up with. God knows why you're crying. God knows why you're sighing. And, 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 and let me give this to you for free. And it's going to bless seven of y'all. I'm going to make eight. Because sometimes the stuff we're going through is a product 
of our own sins and foolishness and we think that the struggles that are caused by our sins and foolishness that God doesn't care about it but when we repent to God and we humble ourselves before God God will even bear the weight of the struggles that has been produced by our sins I'm teaching better than then y'all are saying amen, but I don't have nobody in here say amen to me. But if you're catching this live stream, if I am blessing you real good, just type in the chat, amen, amen. Send some hearts or some likes or something. Letting God have your anxieties is active, not passive. Peter is saying you don't have to submit to the circumstances. You submit to the Lord who is able to work your circumstances. In other words, Peter is saying you're getting ready to go through persecution. You're going to have to suffer because you're talking about this man named Jesus. But understand that you can put all of that on God because God cares. I think that's why Jesus says, listen, come to me, all you who labor in the heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think that's why David said in Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and, and the Lord will sustain you. The, the Lord will not permit the righteous to be moved. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It robs you of your strength for today. I think I just said something. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It robs you of your strength for today. How can we cast our cares upon the Lord? By praying. By really talking to God and Telling God what you're struggling with. By being honest with God. That's how you cast your cares upon him. It's by you acknowledging who God is, you know. It's by you saying, listen, God, you know what I'm dealing with. You know where I'm easily discouraged. God, you know I'm, I'm too tired to move on. You know I'm too weak to go on. You know, I've been chasing out the stuff that really does nothing for you, but it's all about me. And I'm chasing out the stuff that won't matter in eternity. That I'm too busy to spend time with you in humbling myself through prayer and scripture reading. So Lord, I repent. 
I want to trust you minute by minute for strength and for wisdom and for love and for joy. That's how you can cast your cares upon him. Cast your cares upon him by being honest about what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with. Somebody's watching me right now, and you're concerned about a loved one who is sick. And guess what? You're not a doctor. You lack the medical capacity to do anything for them. And even if you were a doctor and you had medical capacity, there's only so much you can do. But casting your cares upon God says, Lord, I'm putting this in your hand and I'm going to trust you. You're worried about your child. Casting your care upon the Lord means you're putting your child and their situation in the hand of God. And you're submitting yourself. It doesn't mean that you stop checking up on your child. But basically, you have surrendered them to God. And God knows how to handle them a whole lot better than you. Some of you are concerned about your finances. Struggling. Trying to make it. God is saying, you can even cast that upon me because I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the Lord, your provider. And if I'm the Lord, your provider, and if you humble yourself unto me, um, I, I, I can help you come up with a game plan to get out of debt. If you humble yourself to me by being obedient to my word, by at least giving tithes and offerings, I can help you develop a plan where you can slowly but surely get out of this avalanche of debt. Some of you right now are caught up in the throes of depression. Again, God is saying, cast your care upon me because I care for you. I ache because you're in this dark place. And because if you cast your care upon me and you humble yourself to me, you hear the voice that says, you know, maybe you need to go to the doctor or go see a therapist. Maybe you need to take some medicine. That's me providing a way for you to navigate this space. Casting your care upon me basically means you don't have to go through this ordeal by yourself. But if you don't humble yourself, to me, then yeah, you will, you will see the consequences of what it means to navigate certain spaces without my presence. Yeah. <sighs> you know what? I want to do one more week of this because I really want to talk about what it means to resist the devil. So I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to let you marinate on humility and casting your cares upon the Lord. We'll pick up next week at verse 8 and we'll finish this chapter. Next week is my uh, peer and, and uh, my uh, anniversary and Lord says the same in the creek don't rise we'll have 15 years in 
and um, um, so looking forward to that. So um, we will unpack this, and then I'm leaving church, and we're going to go get something to eat. <laughs> Amen. So as, as we close out at this moment, I, I want to invite you to um, move as far as tangible way of expressing your cares upon Casting your cares upon God. And what does that look like? It can look like the fact that as I ask you to give and if you feel led to do that, trust in God. And here at St. Paul, there are three major ways you can give. One is by bringing cash or check to the church or mailing it to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205, or dropping off your check, money, order, cash to the church. And making sure that before you do that, just call to make sure, sure someone is here to receive your, your giving. Second way is you can go to our website and give through the website through Givelify or ACS. And then third way is by giving through the app called Givelify. And I want you to know that as you give, you are sowing into great soil. What you give is reaping a harvest that's a blessing to people who don't even come to our church. Um, helping them out with rent and lights and food and things of that sort. As well as us doing improvements and upkeeps here at the church. So we're definitely um, appreciative of your kindness and your generosity as you give. So if you're watching us right now, I want to encourage you to go ahead and humble yourself unto the Lord. That as you give, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. All right. Well, listen, God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Um, I'm going to let these two verses sit with you for this week, and we'll pick up on verse 8 next week.